We're looking at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount this morning. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. And Jesus concludes the, perhaps the, or I would say the best sermon of all time. The Sermon on the Mount. Thank you. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is God's holy and inspired word. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens." Well, once upon a time, there, this is a true story actually, there was these two young boys that were raised in the same household by the same mom and dad. They were taught the same things. They grew up in the same church. And as they grew older, uh, one of the brothers, he ended up becoming a pastor and one of the world's greatest theologians of all time. And the other brother, we, we know very little about, but what we do know of him is that he was disobedient. He was a rebellious uh, man. Uh, He even later got excommunicated from his church. I am talking about the Calvins, John Calvin and Charles Calvin. Uh, John Calvin is known as one of the greatest theologians of all time, and his brother Charles, uh, we don't know much about, but what we do know about him is that he was was that he was disobedient and a pretty rebellious young man. Well, I bring this up because many of you can probably relate to that story. You may have been that rebel in the family, or you may have been that good boy or girl in the family. But in many families, you have that same situation where one turns out really obedient and really honoring and doing great things, and the other is kind of the wild child. Well, this is what Jesus was getting at here as he concluded this incredible sermon that we've looked at the last six months. Uh, He was talking about how we are to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And as we heard these words from Jesus the last six months, as we've looked through it, we can either be obedient or disobedient. Uh, Like the Calvins, uh, you had both boys under the same household, taught the same things. They even looked very similar because they were brothers. Yet one went one way and one went the other. So the question I have for us this morning after looking uh, through these passages the last six months is, what are you going to do with it? Are you simply going to leave here saying, well, that was a really good six-month sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. That sounded great. Let's go eat. Or are you going to look at these words and say, okay, what do I do with this? How do I respond to these incredible words that Jesus gave? Well, as Jesus went on to describe the Sermon on the Mount, uh, or as he concluded the Sermon on the Mount, he gave a parable, and he was talking about a wise builder and a foolish builder. The wise builder was the person who built his foundation or, or his house on a solid foundation, a rock. 
It was a stable foundation. The foolish builder, he built his house on a shaky foundation, sand. And that was the son who was disobedient, the person who was disobedient and did not do anything with the words of the Lord. As a carpenter, Jesus was familiar with the process of building a house. One of the most important parts of the process of building a house is selecting a good site, a good land to build a house upon, and then to find a solid, firm foundation in which you can build this house on. The foundation is the game changer for a house to be able to stand and withstand winds and storms and and anything that would come its way. The first man that Jesus was talking about in this parable was the man who built his house on a rock. Verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. What Jesus was getting at here was now that I have, he's saying, now that I've given you these, this great sermon, are you going to be hearers and doers of the word or just hearers of the word? Are you going to build upon these words and live a life after me or not? In order to live a life for Jesus and to be a true follower of him, we've got to have a strong foundation to build upon. And what is that foundation? Many of us would immediately say, well, Jesus is the foundation. And although, yes, he is the foundation of the Christian faith, and at the end of the service, we're going to sing the song, On Christ the solid rock I stand, no other ground is sinking sand, Jesus is actually not the foundation that he's referring to here. It's the word of God that is the foundation. Uh, The apostle Paul, he described Jesus as the cornerstone to a building, But yet, the apostles' teachings, the prophets of the Old Testament, even Jesus' words are the foundation that we build upon. Ephesians 2, Paul wrote these words, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. What Paul was saying here is Jesus is not the foundation that we build upon. He's the cornerstone. And the cornerstone is the part of the building that holds everything together. It keeps everything secure. The foundation that we build upon is the Bible. The scriptures, the apostles' teaching, the prophets of the Old Testament, even the words of Jesus himself. So this, my friends, is the foundation for us to build upon so that when the storms in life come, we'll be able to withstand anything because we've hidden the word of God in our hearts. The rock which we stand is the word. This reminds me of Matthew 4 When Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We don't live by bread alone, but we live by the word of God. Proverbs 30 verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every word, every single word that's written in this book proves true. And it serves as a shield 
to those who take refuge in him. Psalm 119, verse 60, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. The totality of the word of God is true, it's trustworthy, it's reliable. We can depend our lives upon it. That's what Psalm 119 is referring to. And then Colossians 2, 3, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus, we can gain all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible is the truth. It can be trusted. It can be counted on. It is the foundation upon which we build our lives. In preparation of this message today, I was doing some studying of church history. And there was a man named Athanasius in the fourth century. And during the fourth century, he met a lot of opposition. Opposition by a guy, for example, by the name of Arius. Arius, uh, he came up with the Arian controversy. And Arius once said that there was a time when Jesus did not exist. That's false teaching. But that's what Arius taught, that there was a time when Jesus did not exist. Well, Athanasius, he heard Arius and he said, this is a controversy because it's heresy because we know that Jesus has always existed. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He never changes. He's always been there since the beginning and will be there till the end of time, forever. He's infinite. That's who Jesus is. Athanasius, he stood his ground on the word of God because he had a great foundation in it. And yet, even though he had Arius and, and he had others in his life, even family members and friends who, who told him, Athanasius, you should just let up a little. You should ease up a little. And, and you know, after all, Arius has good points that you should consider. And, and, and you might need to just cave a little bit and, and, and just quit being so dogmatic. Athan- Athanasius said, you know what, I... I can't give up. I, I love the word of God. And what the word of God tells me is Jesus has always been with us. He's always existed. So I can't budge on that. And his friends and family members said, well, Athanasius, well, then the world is against you. And Athanasius coined this famous, famous statement when he said, well, it's Athanasius against the world then. Athanasius was able to take on all the critics Because he had a solid, firm foundation in the word of God. What about you? When the storms in life come, when the critics come, do you cave into the pressure? Or do you withstand the critics? Are you able to be strong and firm in your faith even when trials and temptations come your way because you have a solid foundation In order to have a solid foundation, we've got to dig deep into God's word. And some of you here have visited the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The Leaning Tower of Pisa, it was built in 1173, and it was dug only three meters deep. It was built on dense clay, which was not a very stable place to build a 14,500-ton tower. The weight started to compact the soil until it found the weakest point and started sinking in on one side, and that's why the leaning tower began to lean. Well, fortunately, as the foundation began to settle, it hit limestone, and the limestone was able to hold the tower in its place, and that's why the the tower is now leaning in place. 
I've talked to some people who have been in the tower and they said, when you go up the tower, you feel like you're going to fall (laughs) and you feel like the tower is just going to collapse on you. But yet the tower has been able to withstand since 1173. But you know what the problem was with the, with the builders? They didn't dig deep enough. Three meters was not deep enough. If they had dug deeper, it would have solved all the problems in the world. What about you? Have you dug deep enough in God's word so that when trouble comes, you'll be able to withstand it? Let me give you some practical things to think about. After you lose a loved one, and we all lose loved ones, it's really hard to lose a loved one to death. It's hard. It's one of the hardest things that we'll all have to deal with on this side of heaven. What do you do when you lose a dearly loved one? I would encourage you to go to God's word and rest in his promises and be reminded that Jesus told us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am always with you. I am the God of all comfort who shares your pain. Keep that in mind when you lose a loved one. What about when your marriage may be on the rocks? Think about the proverb that tells us that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Some of you might be thinking, well, my wife is not a good thing. But I would encourage you to go back to the word of God because she is a good thing. Your husband is a good thing. It's a ble- he or she is a blessing from the Lord. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Some of you might be struggling with anxiety and worry right now. What does Jesus tell us? Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. I am here to take your burden, Jesus tells us in Matthew 11. When you're dealing with difficult people, people at work, people in your own family, what do you do? Well, you might be reminded that we are to love everyone, right? The Lord even tells us to love our enemies, to put other people's interests above our own. We would also need to be reminded from the word that the world will hate us. There will be times when people will be critical of us because of our faith. And when those times come, remember that Jesus said, the world will hate you. Now, that shouldn't really encourage you, (laughs) but it should help you. It should help you to be reminded that, you know what? Not everybody loved Jesus, and not everybody will love me either. The digger you deep, the more firm your foundation will be, the more solid and stable and secure will your foundation be. So please, my friends, dig deep in the word of God because you'll be able to withstand temptation and the trials and storms in your life. Perhaps a better hymn that describes our foundation is How Firm a Foundation that tells us how firm a foundation you saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? What this great hymn is saying is, is that Jesus has given us the firm foundation to build our house upon, the rock, and it's his excellent word. He doesn't have to add anything to it. He's given us his complete word of God, the sum total of truth, as we read earlier. We don't need to add to this. We have enough. It is sufficient. 
It will help us in life. And so again, be reminded of the wise man or the wise woman who built their house on the rock, the word of God, so that they could withstand any storms. Jesus went on in this parable to describe the foolish man, verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will look like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and, the great, and, and great was the fall of it. All of us has, have seen news clippets. We've seen clippings. We've seen stories of houses that were destroyed by hurricanes. And a lot of those houses were built on the beach. We've seen houses, beautiful condos built on the beach that were just wiped out by storms and by hurricanes and earthquakes. Why? Well, the storms were really strong, but also built on sand. Sand is shaky. It's not solid like rock. And that's what Jesus was getting at here. He's saying, I've just given you, disciples and people, a sermon. And this sermon, you can do one of two things with. You can either just hear it and move on with your life, or you could hear it and do something about it. Be hearers and doers of the word. And if you just hear it and do nothing about it, you're like the man who is foolish, who built his house on sand and wasn't able to withstand hard times. Last week, my family and I, at fall break, two weeks ago, we went to the Ark. And if you've never been to the Ark in Kentucky, I highly recommend it. It was amazing. It's like a replica, an exact replica of the actual size of Noah's Ark. And it's just three and a half hours from here in Kentucky. Highly recommend it. But one of the themes that I kept seeing that, that I saw that Kim Han was saying, and it was written all over the walls, was it was talking about how there are really just two religions in this world. Even though we have all these different religions, Ken Ham just said, if you boil down to it, it's just two. It's God's religion and man's religion. It's God's word and it's man's word. God's word is is built upon his word. And that's where we get a biblical worldview from. Man's religion is built upon man's words. And that's where we get a secular worldview from. So when you look at all the other religions outside of Christianity, at the end of the day, it's man's religion because it was a made-up religion. God didn't make up these other religions. Man did. And oftentimes in our culture today, people make up their own religions. They may read the Bible. They may listen to a sermon and say, well, I like that from that message, or, or I like that point that I read in Scripture, and so I'll, I'll just put this into my own worldview, my own philosophy, and, and we'll have at it. Jesus is saying, uh-uh. To be my disciple, not only am I drawing you to myself, I'm saying come, which he's the one that brings us to salvation. Then he says, follow me. He says, I'm bringing you to me, come, and follow me. And the way to follow me is by laying a solid foundation, my word, and building upon it, and living for my word. That is the religion that God gives us, his word. So we can have a biblical worldview from his word. But again, so many people in our culture today, they don't have a biblical worldview. And so when trials and tribulations come, they're on shaky ground and they cave into the cultural pressures or the family pressures or they cave when temptation comes or they cave when 
when they see and hear other things that might be appealing to them and they're easily misled. That was the point that Jesus was making here is he's saying, what are you gonna do with these words that I've given you? Are you gonna do something or not? After Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount, verse 28 told us that when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The people that were listening to his sermon, they were blown away because they said, we've never heard a person preach and teach like Jesus. He spoke as if he had true authority because he is our ultimate authority. But again, you could leave here today and say, well, that was, that was a good message from Jesus. That was a good message but then not be changed by it. Matthew Henry, he said, it is possible for people to admire good preaching and yet to remain in ignorance and unbelief, to be astonished and yet not sanctified. It is possible for people to come every Sunday to church and, and leave here saying, well, that, that felt good. I got, a lot, I got a lot out of that. And then just go about their, their daily life and not changed. I don't want that for any of you. <laughs> I want you to leave here feeling changed, maybe convicted, maybe encouraged, maybe inspired. Why? Not because I'm preaching, but because I'm simply the messenger of what Jesus has preached. He's preaching to us. And he's saying, these words should change you. They should fire you up. They should get you excited about life and not be a Debbie Downer. That's what the word of God does. That's what Jesus does to people. He excites us. He overwhelms us with passion, with enthusiasm, with love, with gratitude, with contentment. That's what Jesus does. So I would hate it if you left here today feeling like, well, I'm hungry. What's for lunch? And uh, that was good. No, I want you to leave here feeling like, whoa, I'm ready to follow this Messiah. He's amazing. That's the point Jesus was getting at here. Build your house upon the rock, and you'll be able to withstand anything. You know, in my devotions, Proverbs 17, this week, I, I read that a discerning man keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. A discerning man, a, a man and a woman of wisdom, they keep wisdom in view. What is wisdom? It's heavenly wisdom from God and his word. A fool's eye, it wanders wanders to the ends of the earth. It's just waiting for the next big thing. It's waiting for the shiny. But as Jim Cofield has said before, the shiny will wear off. And what happens when the shiny wears off? Are you gonna be shaken, fall apart? Or are you gonna be able to withstand it? And the way to withstand it is again, digging deep in the word of God. So my friends, I encourage you this week, if you haven't had a devotion in months, don't beat yourself up today. Leave here being convicted. But tomorrow morning, wake up and pour into the word of God. Even tonight before you go to bed, read a portion of scripture. I would encourage you, pour through Matthew 5 through 7 as we have done the last six months. Really pour into it because in this passage, Jesus has given us the way to discipleship. And the way to discipleship is to take up our cross daily and to follow him. And as we follow him, my friends, we will have abundant life. We will have purpose. 
We will have joy. We will have peace. We will have comfort that this world can never, ever 